You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to share our Week 8 Power Rankings and catch up with Andy Hart from Patriots.com Radio. And Brian, let's kick off the podcast today with NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport. Now, it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the Rap Sheet on the NFL on TuneIn. Ian, as always, we appreciate the time. You were the first to report Martavis Bryant was looking to be traded. Now that he's been demoted to the scout team, what's the likelihood he's dealt prior to the deadline on Tuesday? They have said that he's not available for trade. That's something that, that Coach Mike Tomlin said, but you guys know everyone has a price, and if you know clearly he wants out. Clearly he's not happy with the situation. He wants more footballs. Not going to get him this week from being inactive. Um, that was their decision after he did some things on social media, called out a teammate. The Steelers decided that he was going to be inactive this week, and uh, it's only going to make the situation uh, worse, it seems. And, you know, we'll see if they end up trading him or if they get a good enough offer to trade him. As good as he is, how would you handle this situation if you was Mike Tomlin? I know I'm putting you under the gun, but here it is. He could be a problem on the team, and this is why he's on the scout team and not playing this weekend. But at the same time, he has so much talent, and yet at the same time, you know, he he could be one of those players that fall back into that category that he was in last year, which is self-inflicted wounds and getting suspended. So it's kind of darned if you do, darned if you don't. Right, and, you know, I think to me – you know, Tomlin is actually handling it pretty well, I think. Um, because, you know, once a player calls out another team, you know, all this stuff about trade requests, like that's business, right? So I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with a player wanting to be traded. I don't have a problem with, a, um, you know, a player uh, going to his agent and saying, make my situation better or talking to the meeting with the team. I don't care about any of that stuff. That's all business-related, and to me, that's fine. The problem I would have is going on social media and saying, you know, calling out a teammate who you're supposed to be friends with. Um, that That's where I would have a problem with. And, and you know, I, I think uh, as far as Mike Tomlin goes, if you're going to put your foot down on something, do it like this and do it as it relates to playing time. Taking you around the league with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, our NFL insider. Ian, we already dissected the minor trade today. Dontrell Inman from the Chargers dealt to the Bears. As we get closer to the deadline coming up on Tuesday, what name should we keep in mind? Joe Thomas always comes up in terms of trade conversation. Obviously, that's not going to happen this year with the arm injury. Right, and I would have been curious to see what would have happened if Thomas was available, but obviously injured now after the season, and you know we'll see where he goes from there. But you know, I'd be curious about Cordy Glenn. That'd be a name, you know, the left tackle for the the Bills, who's battled a lot of injuries. I don't even know if he'd have a market, but you know, they've done well really without him. Would they be willing to part for him, a team that has traded a lot of their big pieces off? You know, that, that, that'd that be one of them. Um, Hilohi Kakaha um, is another one that I think would be, um, you know, bear watching. He's a pass rusher the Saints took in the second round and are basically not playing him. You know, so I think that would be another name to watch. Um, Kenny Vaccaro, the Saints' safety, has actually played some corner, too. He's been talked about in, in trades. Um, you know, I think those are some names to keep an eye on. Dwight Freeney, how much production do you think they'll be able to get from him out in Seattle? I think some, you know, which is more than, 
know, obviously more than anyone, they would just pull off the street. You know, they didn't want to give up another draft pick and trade. To me, he's the next best option. Just, you know, a guy who's had experience, who's rushed the passer. He's not going to give you much, but he's going to give you the ability to rush the passer. And, you know, obviously the Falcons didn't bring him back, but, but he had moments last year where he made a difference. And that really is all they need. Ian, feels like a foregone conclusion when we get to the offseason. There will be a coaching change in Indianapolis. But as we take it week by week, do you think Chuck Pagano is going to last the entire season? Uh, they have a new, a new GM, a first-time GM who's in his first year. So, you know, everything he does is precedent-setting, right? It's what, what are people going to say about me? What's my tenure going to be like? What, what do I want to do? What do I want to be like as a GM? And to me... You know, you don't have a starting quarterback, and all of a sudden, you you know, if you decide to fire your head coach midway through the season, that lets people know what, how you're going to react when things go bad. Um, I would be surprised if he did that, but I've been surprised by a lot of things in the NFL. Speaking of surprise, uh, some are asking for Trevor Simeon's job to go to Brock Osweiler when everyone annihilated Brock Osweiler when he was in uh, with the Houston Texans and also in Cleveland. Uh, give me your feeling as far as the barometer is concerned on, on, on how they're going to move uh, with that position. They're going to move forward with Trevor Simeon until they are forced not to. I mean, they believe that they really believe that he is their starting quarterback this year, maybe for the future. Um, you know, they've had a lot of injuries. A lot of issues at receiver. He's not perfect. He might not be their future for ten years, but he is certainly good enough to win now. And, and, and you know, until there's a better option, until Paxton Lynch, for instance, develops like they'd like to see, it's going to be Trevor Simeon going forward. Ian, great information as always. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll chat with you on Sunday on NFL First and Goal on TuneIn Premium. All right, thank you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. Touchdown! From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me, taking you from game to game with live home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake at the block, Brady tosses, touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Is a touchdown. Catch NFL First and Goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, now let's go around the league with Eric Edholm from Pro Football Weekly. Eric, thanks for taking the time. Let's go around the league and start in Pittsburgh. Martavis Bryant now running with the scout team anticipated to be inactive on Sunday when Pittsburgh takes on Detroit. With the trade deadline coming up on Tuesday, do you see any scenario in which the Steelers actually deal Bryant? It, it doesn't sound like it. Uh, you know, I thought Mike Tomlin made that, that pretty clear that, that he's going he's gonna to discipline Bryant before he trades him. Now, maybe somebody comes in and blows them away with an offer, but you really can't anticipate that happening. So based on what Tomlin has said, the fact that they're demoting him and promoting Justin Hunter – um, and, and, you know, taking away his spot that, that he felt was rightfully his after the team had stuck behind him after the suspension. You know, it's clear they're going to see how he responds to it. And his initial comments were kind of, you know, kind of apathetic. So maybe that does change. But right now I say no. How much of a distraction you think it is uh, to not have Martavis Bryant in the lineup, even though I know the distraction caused him to go to the scout team and 
Obviously, there's some potential conversations of a trade, and obviously you just killed that just then. But how big of a distraction for him to not have an opportunity to practice with the team and maybe play this weekend? Yeah, Cordell, it's really interesting. I mean, obviously, I think they're trying to eliminate the distraction as much as they can. You know, and I don't know if we'll get to a you know, Keyshawn Johnson deactivation type of situation where they try to come after his money a little bit or, you know, I mean, take it to that next step, um, you know, or suspend him or something like that. But I think right now they're seeing can he prove himself and, and can he pick himself back up? Can he do the work on the scout team that impresses his teammates, impresses the coaches, and, and earns him back a spot in that lineup? So I believe they have a game this weekend at Detroit, and then they go on by so these next two weeks feel like kind of a crucial time. You know, if he's going to prove it, he's going to do it during this little period here, assuming he doesn't play on Sunday. And then maybe that door opens back up again for a chance to, to re-end the lineup. Because we know his talent. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a special athlete, and he's had big moments. But they've been uh, too few and far between. And, you know, they gave him the ball in the first play of the game last week and tried a couple times. He gave a lackluster effort on that deep ball, I thought. And so – it just they haven't seen the effort and the uh, you know the total package that they were hoping from them. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber chatting with Eric Edholm from Pro Football Weekly. Eric, of course, it is absurd to hand out an MVP award in Week Eight, but we do many outlandish things at Sports Talk Radio. So a couple weeks ago, conventional wisdom said it was all about Alex Smith. Now Carson Wentz has come alive. If you had to slot it in October, who are your top three MVP contenders as of now? Yeah, I mean, and the thing with you know with Wentz was he started that game the other day pretty poorly. It looked like he was struggling. And then all of a sudden, not only does he pull himself out of that struggle, he ends up having a fantastic game. You know, four TD passes, all to four different receivers. And he still hasn't even hit his stride yet with, uh, with Alshon Jeffrey. You know, I still think there's room to grow and rapport to be gained from that. So that's the exciting part. And then you look at the schedule and you say, boy, the Eagles have kind of an easy schedule, one of the statistically easiest ones left. So I mean, that potential is there. I mean, I think that's, that's exciting to think that a second-year player who looked at times to be a little overwhelmed or a little ordinary um, last year, that he can build himself up so well. Jared Goff's made good improvements, too. So, you know, I would say he's right there. You can't overlook one of the Kansas City players. You know, maybe Kareem Hunt and Alex Smith take votes away from each other, that sort of thing, if, you know, Hunt keeps doing what he's doing. Obviously, if, if, if Tom Brady keeps going and the Patriots sort of reestablish themselves as a contender, he's got to be in the mix. If Le'Veon Bell picks up the slack in, in Pittsburgh and keeps carrying the ball 30-plus times a game like he has at times this season, maybe he's the candidate as well. So, you're right, it's early. Tend to lean towards quarterbacks. Uh, it makes a lot of sense that way. But, yeah, I, I would think that that's kind of how it stacks up at this point. When you look at the Dallas Cowboys, uh, everyone was wondering about this so-called sophomore slump for Dak Prescott. He's gotten 14 touchdowns, four interceptions at this point in time last year. I think he was 7-1. and one. Uh, His game has improved uh, tremendously. They're asking him to carry the load, and, and he has so far. How do you see it actually ending for him considering that he's been efficient, he's been consistent, but yet the defense can't make anything happen. You know, they give up, what, 35 points in the last couple games uh, prior to this San Francisco game? Do you see this team playing any better as they move forward? Yeah, you're right. And I'm glad you pointed that out about Dak because everybody was kind of saying, okay, you were great last year, but a lot of guys do take that step back in year two and, and the league catches up to you and all that. I mean, outside of some of those throws in the Denver game, he's been spectacular. And, and especially with the is he, is he going to play, is he not going to be playing thing with Ezekiel Elliott, 
Um, you know, Jason Witten looks like he's still playing at a high level. Uh, it, it's been fun to watch him sort of keep calm amid, amid all the craziness that's gone on with that team, all the Jerry Jones stuff and the anthem talk and everything. So you're right, Dak has been that pillar of strength for them. And defensively, there's some of the numbers are actually pretty encouraging. You know, I mean, they don't they don't allow an obscene amount of yards. You know, passing wise, uh, you know, they they've sort of kept the big plays in check. The problem is not making enough interceptions. The sack pressure has started to come on, but you're right. I mean, the, the, the points allowed have been the biggest thing. So I think it's really about opportunistic. If you let the team drive down the field, that's fine. Hold them to a field goal or create a turnover every three or four possessions, whatever it may be. Stop them on fourth and short. Those are the kind of big plays. I don't think they're going to be the kind of shutdown defense that, that a lot of contenders wish they had, but – I think they can be an opportunistic one, and making those interceptions, those fumble recoveries, and those key stops is going to be their kind of their M.O. down the stretch, I think. Eric Adam, Pro Football Weekly, is our guest on the NFL on tune. And, Eric, sneaky good trade, I think, today. Not a blockbuster, but take it back to last year. Dontrell Inman for the Chargers had good numbers because everybody else was hurt. So wide receivers on the move to Chicago. Big picture, we know the Bears can't keep winning if Mitchell Trubisky only completes four passes. He only threw it seven times on Sunday. They won that game because of a pair of defensive touchdowns against Carolina. But if we see some improvement in the passing game, do you think this team can do enough for John Fox to save his job? That's a great question. And right, Dontrell Inman isn't going to do it himself. And they've obviously got to try to open things up. And, you know, you don't develop a quarterback by having them hand off. So there's going to be pressure on Fox and, and, uh, you know, Dow Loggins, the offensive coordinator, to, to give this kid a chance to win games for him. Maybe not by himself, because that run game is good. But, yeah, he's got to be able to show something at some point. And maybe Inman, who is that kind of big play guy, he's got a long frame and, you know, can go up and, and get some of those contested balls and, uh, you know, good on double moves, and they'll send him down the field every now and then. So that's what he did for the, for the Chargers. Fell out of favor, and they got him for cheap. It's a great chance for them to kind of build some chemistry down the stretch. Will it be enough? I don't know. They've been really competitive. They've been great defensively the last couple games. You know, they're making the big plays that they hadn't before. They were one of the worst turnover-creating teams, one of the worst takeaway teams in the NFL the past couple seasons. Now the last couple weeks, it's been totally different. So you see the formula coming into focus. This is what, you know, Fox wanted to do in Carolina. This is sort of what he's wanted to do when he didn't have a Peyton Manning, et cetera. So, I just don't know. I mean, they've got to probably win, you know, maybe five more games down the stretch and really get on a little hot streak there. And maybe without Aaron Rodgers and and with the the Lions banged up and the Vikings having quarterback issues, maybe they can steal a couple. How much are you buying into the L.A. Rams right now being the best team in the AFC West? They end up losing to the Seattle Seahawks at home there at the Coliseum, but this team is not afraid to go on the road and win football games. Are you buying what they're doing offensively, defensively, and this kid, Jared Goff, is just playing lights-out football? He is. It's, it's, you know, and, and I talked about Wentz earlier, and, and you could argue that Goff made it even, even bigger incremental improvement this year because he looked pretty bad last year. Let's, let's be honest. Whether it was Jeff Fisher, the offense, the players he had around him, the situation he was thrown into, I don't care what it was, he didn't play well. And there was some question about his accuracy and his feel in a pro-style game, but Sean McVay and, and, and those guys, Matt LaFleur, they've coaxed it out of him, and they've surrounded him with, with a slew of weapons. And Todd Gurley's been reborn, and they've found their left tackle in Andrew Whitworth. I mean, it's been exciting to see a team – 
make such drastic changes offensively in one season. And I think one of the craziest stats this year has been the L.A. Rams leading the league in point differential to this point. Number two is Jacksonville. I mean, if you'd asked me that after you know seven, eight weeks of the season, we'd have Rams and Jaguars as the number two, one and two teams and, you know, in terms of outscoring their opponents. I would have called you crazy. So it's been a very cool thing to watch. Are they the best team? They've already lost head-to-head to the Seahawks. They didn't feel like a close matchup at times. You know, they, they have a lot to prove. But the good news is they're coming off their best game of the season defensively. And, and it seems like McVay has, has hinted this team has room to grow even more and, and get even better throughout the course of this season, which is, which is kind of cool to hear. Eric, very strong debut on the program. We appreciate the time and hope to chat with you again in the future here on the NFL on TuneIn. Good hearing from you, fellas. Thanks. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Tune in puts you on the sidelines for the 2017 college football season free all year long. With college football on TuneIn, hear the home and away calls for more than 100 schools live, regular season matchups and rivalry games, conference championships and bowl games, the college football playoff in January. You can listen to it all for free. At home, on campus, or in rival territory, hear the excitement and pageantry of college football all season long, free on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. It's time for Cordell and I to let you know the teams we are more than sure are better than the rest. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. And with our conversation with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network on the way, I will ramble less than I have in previous weeks. The goal is to be succinct for my top five, starting with the Rams. Yeah, I'm going to ram it in Southern California. Five and two coming off their shutout win over Arizona in London. They're on the bye and feeling good and looking ahead. They take on the New York football Giants. I'm buying the defense, finally showing improvement against the run. Jared Goff playing steadily in year two. Todd Gurley has come alive. Big hit for the Kansas City Chiefs. They were number one last week. They're number four this week after suffering back-to-back losses. Yes, they had three chances to win that game on the road in Oakland. All they needed to do was make a first down. The game was over or make a few plays on defense. Still, now that they've suffered consecutive losses, some concerns specifically on defense. The Steelers ran all over them. And then we saw Derek Carr carve him up with the pass game on Thursday, but they're going to get well coming up on Monday Night Football when they host the reeling Denver Broncos. At number three, the reigning world champions. Patriots putting together their best defensive effort on Sunday Night Football. Certainly got some help from the fog, and Atlanta's got their own issues. But as they host the Chargers on Sunday, it feels like the Patriots finally defensively trending in the right direction, looking for their fourth consecutive win. Number two, Steelers. And I went back and forth as to who I should put in the second position. I could make the Patriot argument, but the Steeler defense to me slightly better now. Beyond the stats, you got to watch football games to draw real conclusions. And we know about all of the options on offense, with or without Martavis Bryant coming up on Sunday on the road in Detroit. Number one, 
No long-winded explanation is needed. The Eagles were the best record in all of football. They are the best team in all of football. Counting them down, Casey Kasem style. Not Case Keenum, Casey Kasem. <laughs> keep your feet on the ground. Keep reaching for the stars. L.A. Rams, five. Casey Chiefs, four. New England Patriots, three. Pittsburgh Steelers, two. Fly, Eagles, fly, one. Back to you. Fly, Eagles, fly. Well, let me tell you. I like that. It sounded pretty good. I mean, it can go either way. Uh, but I'm going to shock the world just maybe a little bit. May not like it, but you're going to have to deal with it. Uh, at number five, I'm going with the Purple People Eaters. You have one of the best defenses, number of the fifth-rated defense when it comes to points allowed, and the offense is, is steady. They're not the best, but they're steady. Case Keenum is playing some really good football, filling in uh, for Sam Bradford, who was injured, played a good game, but yet Case Keenum comes back, and he helps this team win a lot of those games, which now have them at the very top in the NFC North, which is the team I picked regardless to win this division. I think they're a really good football team. The jury's out because it's Case Keenum, but I believe in him, and I think he's going to continue to play good football with the backfield that he has with Murray McKinnon. You have Diggs as well as Thielen and Rudolph. And then that defense is pretty darn good to say the least with Kendricks and Smith. I think they're doing a phenomenal job. At number four, yes, we're going to ram it. I'm going with the LA Ram with Jared Goff in this thinking, this thinking defense that's playing out of control. I mean, come on, what do you want from me? Aaron Donald's just playing really good. He's, he's creating problems in the middle. I think offensively, when you look at what they have at the receiving core position. It's okay. It's not the greatest, but they're playing good enough football based on what Sean McVay is giving this team to do uh, when it comes down to running routes, being creative, and then guy in the backfield and Todd Gurley. I think he's been running the football extremely well. So I think across the board, Wade Phillips on defense, Sean McVay being creative when it comes to schemes and X's and O's and executing, this team is really playing good. Team better watch out for this this team right here with Jared Goff. I think they're doing a phenomenal job. The Chiefs, I'm keeping them in the top three. I think they got a a nice hiccup handed their way when playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They got exposed. Yes, this defense was exposed again by the Oakland Raiders putting up over 400 yards and against a defense that shouldn't be in man coverage across the board. You need to play a little blitz zone. Put a little pressure on on Derek Carr to make him have to throw the football in areas that he may not want to. But I'm still sticking with the Kansas City Chiefs. I believe in what they do. As I say sometimes, and the home of the Chiefs. And at number two, black and yellow. I know they be, may be whining, may be sounding like Keith Sweat when it comes to how they're talking in the locker room, into the media. A lot of whining and singing going on. But I tell you what. Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell with Roosevelt Knicks that's getting in the mix when it comes to putting a helmet down on those linebackers, setting the tone within the trenches. I think the defense is playing phenomenal right now. 30-rated defense in the National Football League when it comes down to points given up per game. They're playing really good football, and they're playing the most sound football and physical football in the AFC side of the game. But when it comes down to the best team, in the National Football League. And I'm not talking about gang green. I'm talking about the team in green that's up the road. That's E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. How about Carson Wentz? He scrambles. He makes a play. He gets in the trenches. He looks like he's he's into this position where they're holding him really tight. He can't move. He can't do what he wants to do. But he comes out on the other end. He comes out. He gets a 15-yard scramble and scamper. Being able to hit many receivers. Get first downs with his feet. Chris Long. 
and Fletcher Cox playing phenomenal defense on that side of the football. Coach Schwartz, the defensive coordinator, Doug Peterson, the head coach, and the offensive-minded guy has this team playing really good football. So the Eagles, I think everyone can say the Eagles is playing the best football in the National Football League. And guess what? We don't have the New England Patriots in our top five. How about that one? I think that's a good one to be talking about right there. Minnesota Vikings at five. LA Rams at at four. We have the Kansas City Chiefs at three. Steelers at two. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles at number one with Carson Wentz leading the hell. And those are our power rankings. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. Touchdown! From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. It's a touchdown. Catch NFL First and Goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next up on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's spotlight the reigning champs from New England with Andy Hart from Patriots.com Radio. Andy, let's go back to that foggy night at Gillette Stadium. We know the Falcons are dealing with their own issues, but if you could see the field, did you see enough from the Patriots defense to have a degree of confidence the D is finally moving in the right direction? Yeah, that was their first major step forward, you know, I thought. And, um, you know, it doesn't wipe away the first six weeks. And, you know, all you have to do to realize that is look at the stats. They're still the 32nd-ranked pass defense in the NFL, even though they did a really good job. I think they held Matt Ryan at 230-something. Um, snapped their streak of 300-yard passers allowed. Um, but that doesn't just wipe out um, all the fears. And, you know, one fear that a lot of Patriots fans uh, still have, and it's sort of a funny one, is, uh, they're worried that Stephon Gilmore is coming back from his concussion. He's back on the practice field today. Um, and some of the, the pessimists or the cynics think he was the problem. And when you get him back, maybe that'll be sort of the, I guess, the turd in the punch bowl all over again. Um, but it was certainly, it was a feel-good win against, you know, an offense that isn't what it was a year ago, but still has weapons and an MVP quarterback. Um, and you took care of business. I mean, you controlled that game, especially, you know, a scoreless first quarter, and then you score 17 points in the second quarter, the game was over. You controlled the game the rest of the way. Uh, and that's the first time this year that I really thought the Patriots controlled the game, you know, on a primetime uh, prime time game, a good opponent. So uh, that's feel good. Now, now you have to build on it moving forward. You talk about building on it moving forward. Uh, they're getting ready to go against the defense and the Chargers uh, that is pretty aggressive when it comes to the pass rush. Melvin Ingram and also Joey Bosa. Uh, give me your take from what you saw against – the Atlanta Falcons and how they got rid of the ball, get Brandon Cooks involved. Uh, I know we're not talking about necessarily winning the game, but how much damage can that defense end up creating for this offensive line and also Tom Brady in the pocket? Yep, that's the fear. Um, you know, I thought the Patriots did a better job in pass protection the last couple of weeks, but even against the Falcons, they had one runaway rusher that leads to a strip sack, big hit right in Brady's back, a guy unblocked off the left, left side. Um, so he's still taking the big hits, which is not ideal. He actually just held his press conference. He seems like he's uh, dragging a little bit, quite frankly. Looks like he's a little under the weather. Um, and, you know, this, this offensive line has a test this week. He, he admitted, I got to get rid of the ball fast this week. He said fast, fast, fast. Um, but they still have to block. I know they've worked in practice sort of similar to what they did last week, actually. It's 
a lot of, you know, trying to keep those pass rushers to the outside and then stepping up in the pocket. And, you know, that puts some pressure on Shaq Mason, David Andrews, those guys up front um, to really give him a place to step up to. Uh, but there's no question, you know, Coach Belichick today uh, used the word special to describe the combination of Bosa and Ingram. Um, I think they're eight and a half and seven and a half sacks each or whatever it is, top five pass rushers in the NFL this year. And, you know, they, the motor that Bosa brings has really – um, stood out, you know, talking to Josh McDaniels about, you know, you, you, even against the run, his just nonstop motor and then his ability as a pass rusher to not just have one move. It's not just, you know, speed to the outside. It's not just a counter. He, he mixes it up. Um, and they don't often run by the passer with something else they emphasize. So um, I, it's, it's a major challenge. Nate Solder hasn't been great this year. Uh, Marcus Cannon has not been as good this year as last year, but they're going to lean on those guys. And, uh, I think that's the one way that, that San Diego has of coming across the country and really disrupting this little Patriots winning streak. And Patriots going to the bye next week. They would love to go into the bye, obviously, with another win, feeling good about themselves first place and all that. Um, but I think really, as I said, the one way that gets disrupted is Bosa and Ingram um, and, and getting getting Brady hit. Patriots getting set to take on the L.A. Chargers. We're getting you ready with our friend Andy Hart, Patriots.com Radio. Check out their stellar audio content on the Patriots team channel here on TuneIn. Andy, I am older than I sound, so I went to a game at Foxborough years ago. I've not been to Gillette Stadium yet. When I go, where is the fog machine? Where should I look for it on the tour of that <laughs> glittering facility? Well, obviously, they keep it in the lighthouse there. You think a lighthouse is to keep protecting you from fog, but we actually produce the fog in the lighthouse at the end of the stadium. Um, yeah, that was that was unlike anything I've ever seen. And I know a lot of people thought, oh, it's from the, the end zone militia guys that they have that shoot off guns after scores, or it's from the pregame pyrotechnics. There was a little bit of that. You know, it, it sort of settled after they shot off the pyrotechnics. But then in the third quarter in that second half, the fog just settled in. It was a weird day because it was like, you know, warm, 88% humidity, uh, and it just had no place to go. And it, it, quite honestly, there were times sitting in the press box at Gillette Stadium far into the field they flipped to the, from the third to the fourth quarter. The action went to the far end. I had no idea what was going on. I, you know, I was asking people, is Hightower still playing or is he hurt? What's going on out there? And I, I've never experienced anything like that. I was getting ready to ask you that question. What about Hightower? What's his situation? I'm not hearing that he didn't start off in practice uh, today early on, but he ended up coming around. Give me a take on will he be able to play this weekend uh, and be productive and help out? You know, I will not be surprised if he doesn't. Um, he's a guy that, you know, he hit free agency this offseason. There was limited interest because he has a history of knee and shoulder issues. Um, and he's already missed time with a knee injury this year, and now he's missing time with a shoulder injury. Um, so it's, it's not necessarily surprising. It's, quite frankly, it's why I think he's still a Patriot, uh, because I think he hit the open market and the injuries scared a lot of teams. The money wasn't there that maybe he had hoped. And the Patriots got a good deal to bring him back on, on a lower-than-market value. Um, but it's so important. He's such a key factor on the front. They lack depth on the edge. They lack depth at linebacker. And if he can't go, um, I think that I think that's a major concern against the Chargers team. They haven't run the ball well. You know, Melvin Gordon is I think under three six or three four a carry. But um, you know, teams in the NFL, if you if you lose a couple key guys up front, any team can run on you. Um, and I have my doubts as to whether he's going to be out there on Sunday. So that that could be a little bit of a step backwards for this. This Patriots defense and another guy to keep an eye on is Malcolm Brown, the defensive tackle with an ankle injury. Um, former first-round pick, third-year guy, has been playing better of late. He missed a big chunk of the Atlanta game, 
uh, with the ankle injury. And, and if he and Hightower are both out, that that cuts into that depth on that front, and it may, might make it a little easier for San Diego to get the ground game going. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber chatting with Andy Hart, Patriots.com radio, Patriots football weekly, and the Patriots team channel here on TuneIn. Andy, somehow, due to casting, I've become the bad cop on this show. So let me be the <laughs> tattletaler. We just rattled off our power rankings 45 minutes ago. I had the Patriots at number three. Cordell Stewart with a bombshell excluded the Patriots from his top five. You got a problem with that? Uh, yeah, I would have a problem with that um, almost as much as I have a problem. I've seen a lot of people putting the Patriots back at number one, um, which I think is a little too much respect for Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, quite frankly. Um, but I certainly think they're a top five team in this league here and now where there's just no consistency week to week. Uh, nobody wants to run away with it and sort of establish themselves. You know, the Eagles obviously have the best record, and I think Carson Wentz is making a nice second-year run at maybe being an MVP candidate. But um, I think there's still some questions as to, you know, Peterson Wentz, how far that team can go with consistency deep into a season. Um, we've seen the, the Chiefs fall back to the pack here with a couple losses. We've seen the Raiders try to sort of reignite, you know, their preseason expectations. So um, I think the Patriots are a top five team. I would not put them at number one again. I think, you know, the Chiefs got two losses, same as the Patriots, and beat the Patriots in Foxborough. So for now, I think the Chiefs have to stay ahead of the Patriots, and I would put the Eagles ahead just because as you continue to win in this league, um, there's value in that because we're seeing a lot of teams that are too inconsistent to do that. The Steelers, you know, one week the Steelers look like crap. The next week you look like, okay, maybe the, the killer bees, the big three can get it done. Um, so I just think with the inconsistency, Patriots are a top five team. Well, that's why I had them because of the inconsistent portion of it all, uh, especially yep. from a defensive standpoint. I mean, this was a stellar performance by them, but they played against an Atlanta Falcons team that I think easily could be right now one and five, maybe two and four. You look at week one against Chicago, there was two touchdowns dropped in the end zone. Uh, they end up losing uh, to a Miami Dolphins team by while being up seventeen to nothing, and end up you know losing that football game twenty to seventeen. Look what happened in the Super Bowl. You guys being down twenty five, so I, I, I felt like that the ending of that game was going to be exactly what it was. Them being at six is where I had them. I had Minnesota at five, Rams at four. Chiefs at three, Steelers at two, and Eagles at one. I mean, you can go either way. I wouldn't have had them at one. Of course not. Uh, but I thought at six, because Minnesota's been playing good, Rams is just one of the top offenses in the game. You know Bill Belichick's going to get better. But it's a week-to-week thing, Andy. But, uh, yeah, Brian is a tattleteller. He's trying to get some murky stuff going over here. But it's not going to work with me. You know that, right? You know what I think? You bring up a great point because I've listened to Patriots fans all week sort of um... – celebrate the fact that they quote-unquote broke the Falcons. You know, they're a broken team because of the Super Bowl uh, failure and the comeback, and then we broke them again. Well, if you think they're such a broken team, that kind of devalues the performance of the Patriots' defense and, and the win this week. So, you know, I, if I'm a Patriots fan, I'd like to feel good about the Falcons and pretend they're still a, a contender because if they're just a broken team, well, I beat up on a broken team. What You know, how impressive is that? So right. it's an interesting point you bring up because I do think the Falcons – uh, have struggled mightily out of the gates here. Andy, as always, we appreciate the insights. Enjoy the rest of your week. And when I have that tour at Gillette Stadium, I hope you queue up the fog machine so I get the full experience <laughs> at Foxborough. Well, wait, it's it's not just a fog machine. It's a weather machine. Wait till you see all the other things it can do. There's a long season ahead of us. Don't you worry. The geostorm rolling through New England. That's Thank right. you, Andy. We'll chat with you next week. 
See you guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Stay up to date on the latest news as it happens on TuneIn. There are 70,000 people at risk of another life-threatening situation. From American politics to global events, get live 24-7 coverage with some of the top news media outlets in the world, including CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News Radio. And when breaking news hits, TuneIn keeps you updated with up-to-the-minute reports and analysis on the biggest stories of the day. What a moment. Absolutely. So let's get right to it. Here's our starting line. Day or night, get live news coverage from around the world on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for the Fantasy Fix. Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30. He's gone. He's gone. What a move. It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. And he goes to the near side, and it's picked up. From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the Fantasy Fix. And today, we're pleased to be joined by Nick Mencio from RotoWorld.com. Nick, let's start in the Emerald City of Seattle. Even though Jimmy Graham keeps dropping passes, feels like Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin are on the same page. What's the outlook for Baldwin Sunday? The matchup against Houston coming off the bye. Texans, of course, missing J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless for the rest of the year. They Both Baldwin and Russell Wilson had big games last week. They, they started a little slow, but, but they turned it up in the second half against the Giants. Both had huge fantasy days. Uh, this one's in Seattle. A decently high total at 45.5 points with the uh, Seahawks favored by 5.5, so 25.5 point team total. That's a high. That's a high number for any week, and especially this week. So I like them to bounce back for sure. I mean, got Houston coming off its bye, I believe, but I like this spot for Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin for sure. Nikki, you rely on OJ Howard weekly, or just in a boom or bust scenario? Yeah, I know he's coming off that big two touchdown game last week against the Bills, but he was wide open on both touchdowns. Uh, Cameron Brake still out out targeted him nine to six. Howard just happened to catch all six of his targets. I'm still leaning with Bray in this uh, tight end timeshare, but, I mean, Howard's got the talent. He's a first-round pick, uh, big-time athlete. I mean, I'd like to see him his, his role grow going forward, but I'm still on Bray in this, in this scenario. Nick, so many owners navigating a bye and looking ahead. Let's talk about what's going on in Jacksonville. Leonard Fournette unable to play on the road in Indy on Sunday. Jacksonville with a week off. Moving forward, if you don't believe he's going to be healthy with the ankle issue, and we know he was banged up at LSU, would you handcuff him to either TJ Yeldon or Chris Ivory? How are you playing that? Man, I'm hoping Fournette gets back after the bye, but... I played a ton of Chris Ivory in uh, DFS last week, and he scored that short touchdown, but he just didn't get anything else going on the ground. And like you said, TJ Yeldon had 122 yards on the touchdown on just nine carries. Coach Doug Marone today was saying that he might have to rethink the uh, running back situation going forward, which means Yeldon could be active on game days, and Ivory, who doesn't play special teams, could be the one, the odd man out, because number three back, Corey Grant's a, a big asset on kick coverage. Latavius Murray came off of a big game. Which running back uh, from the Vikings do you like moving forward? I'm still team Jarek McKinnon for sure. Uh, before last week, Latavius Murray just looked like he was uh, just like close to done. I know he had surgery on either his foot or his ankle in the offseason. I can't remember. But before before last week, he was averaging like 2.4 yards per carry or 2.5 yards a carry. Uh, I, I still need to see more from Latavius. I'm still uh, 
liking McKinnon more in this in this uh, backfield. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber. Fantasy Fix with our friend Nick Metzio, rotoworld.com. Talking Marlon Mack, I may have to put a quarter in the jukebox for a return of the Mack, and fantasy owners are hoping <laughs> he can get some consistency. How much you buy in Mack moving forward? I'm still not very high on him. I mean, he was leading the league in, in carries that went for zero or negative yards heading into last week. I, I assume he's still leading the league in that in that stat, and he dropped another couple passes last week. He Dropped two passes the week before that. He's just he's just a big play guy who makes too many mistakes. He can't protect the quarterback on third downs, and I I just don't think the coaches trust him enough to expand his role. So I'd be at him, adding him in any league he's available, but you, he you can't start him right now. When you think about Jacksonville, uh, you think about Saxville, if that's what you want to call it from a defensive right, yeah. standpoint. And offensively, it's been about the running game. It wasn't uh, Leonard Fournette. It was T.J. Yeldon uh, the last time. But Blake Bortles, uh, they're asking him to not screw it up. And when you look at what he's done, has he turned the corner as a fantasy quarterback? Yeah, he had a big week against the Colts last week. But I still am a believer that Bortles can screw way too many things up that they're not going to put a put it on a pass attempts on his plate. Like you said, this is a, a run-first offense. They're going to run whoever is in that backfield over giving the, putting the ball in Bortles' hand. So I still don't like, I'm not a big Bortles fan for fantasy. Obviously, you can have some big weeks, but they're going to be wholly unpredictable, and I'm not buying into it at all. Nick, if we think about cause and effect, Joe Mixon postgame after the loss on the road in Pittsburgh was vocal saying, why can't I get the same amount of touches as Le'Veon Bell? The answer is Le'Veon Bell is a better running back, and we know that you got Gio Bernard, Jeremy Hill in Cincinnati. But do you think Mixon going public with those concerns will get him more touches on Sunday? I mean, you like to think like the squeaky wheel gets the grease, but Joe Mixon's a rookie, Marvin Lewis isn't a guy that typically likes to play as rookies a lot. They have some infatuation with Jeremy Hill up in Cincinnati. I don't know what the reason is, but he hasn't done anything since his rookie year, uh, but he's still going to be getting carries, it looks like. But I do like Mixon for this week. The the, uh, Bengals are heavy favorites at home against the Colts. Uh, I like Mixon to get back to maybe 18 touches this week, but he's just not finding the end zone right now. That offensive line in Cincinnati is just not very good. Uh, I mean, you can't trust him as anything more than like a low-end RB2. We just hope he, has, he'll hope he can find the end zone. Uh, how does the value of player in Miami change with Matt Moore playing instead of Jay Cutler? I honestly don't think it changes that much. Matt Moore is a serviceable, serviceable backup, has done it before. Jay Cutler was not playing well at all before getting hurt. Uh, I don't think the Dolphins really miss a beat too much with the quarterback change. Uh, Jarvis Landry is still going to hog targets over the middle of the field. Jay Ajayi is still going to get a ton of carries. If Devontae Parker comes back, he'll get some deep shots down the sideline, maybe some red zone opportunities. But I don't think their their value changes too terribly much. Nick, when the Giants come off the bye, Eli Manning's got to throw the football to somebody. With all the injuries, what wide receiver would you pick if you had to from Big Blue? Oh, my gosh. A wide receiver on that team. I don't think I'd pick any of them. Maybe Sterling Shepard, but Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram's the guy in that offense now. He's uh, Over the past month, the past four weeks, Evan Ingram leads all tight ends and targets. He's scored a number of touchdowns. He's, he's kind of bucking the trend of rookie tight ends struggling in the NFL. So I love Ingram's game. He's more of a receiver than anything, but I think the offense definitely runs through him now. Marcus Mariota was was somewhat of a scoring machine last year, uh, but obviously he's not doing that. Do you keep him on the bench until he proves he can score somewhat like he did last season? 
Yeah, he's on the bye this week. I have him a number of leagues. It's kind of tough to hold on to him, but I'm giving him another shot. He gets two uh, home games coming out of the bye against the Ravens and the Bengals. Not great matchups, but Mariota's upside, like you said, is huge. I mean, if he gets over that hamstring strain, maybe he'll start running the ball a little more again. Uh, he has some easy matchups coming up after those two against the Colts, the Cardinals, the 49ers, and the fantasy playoffs. So I'm looking for looking ahead with him and, and trying to hold on to him. Nick, as always, we appreciate the analysis. Good luck this week, and we'll chat with you next week on the NFL on TuneIn. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.